Hello and welcome to Be the Serpent, a podcast of extremely deep literary merit, with your classy and sophisticated hosts, Alexandra Rowland, Freya Mosk, and Jennifer Mace. On today's episode, we're discussing Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, the film Ghost, and the Inception fic The Boy Who Spoke with Ghosts by Avocado Love. Hello and welcome to episode 98, open brackets, spooky noises, close brackets. I'm Alex and when I die, I would like to be buried in a bog with a bunch of handmade grave goods made to look like they're from different historical eras, plus like a carved stone tablet with a cool curse written on it, purely for the purpose of uh playing a joke on future archaeologists mm. who find my bog body mm. mm-hmm. i'm freya and i would like to have a normal funeral except <laughs> that i would like my hair to be made into a lot of victorian memento mori okay, hair amazing. ornaments that are like rings and lockets and things <laughs> yeah. and then on the way out of the funeral there'll be a big glass jar at the front and everyone can just pick one up like party favors like a party amazing. bag yeah yeah that's great i am macy and I just want to be fed to a tree. Okay, what kind of that tree? That is unsurprising. Um, I feel like I would be down for an oak if I was being buried back in the UK. But if I was being buried here, I would want whatever native tree kind of grows really big and is appropriate to the setting and lives a long time. Mm. You know, I just want to feed like a majestic A majestic tree. tree. Okay. A majestic okay. tree. Okay, not a shitty tree. No, a, if you feed me to a shitty tree, I'm going to haunt the fuck out of you. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would it be nice to be made to be fed to a tree that would then be used to make beautiful things out of wood so you could then, like, haunt somebody's dinner table? Mm. No, mm. I want to be in a forest. I okay. don't give a fuck about humans once I'm dead, you know? Do you give a fuck about humans now? Like... I find some of them pleasant. Sure. But like if Macy could at this moment become one with a forest, oh, I feel like that might would. be an option. Oh. She would. Freya, mm. would you like to finish off our Thanks. intersection here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, during this discussion. Anyway, we are three redheaded fantasy authors. And today is one of more our more gremlin intros, apparently. Uh, but yeah. before... So we're... What am I doing? I can't even get through the summary of the episode. Today we're allegedly going to be talking about ghosts because this is our Halloween episode. Uh, but before we get into uh, haunted podcast doings, this podcast is already yes. haunted, frankly. Frankly, this <laughs> podcast has been haunted since day one. Uh, but before yeah, we get into yeah. all of that, what have we been reading lately, fellow serpents? Well, like ghost of the snakes. internet. I... Fellow ghost snakes. Sorry for interrupting, Fellow Freya. ghost snakes. Ghost Can we be snakes. skeleton snakes? Sure. Maybe each one of us a different one, like a ghost snack, a skeleton snack, and a vampire snack? Sure. Aren't all snacks vampire snacks, or just the bitey ones? Maybe. Why don't we let Freya get on with it, actually? (laughs) Never! Never! Um, Alright, so, like half of the internet recently, I have watched Squid Game What is Squid Game? Okay, so- It's like Snowpiercer, but like video games. Sort of. It's more Hunger Games. It's like oh, Hunger Games meets Snowpiercer. So it's oh a gosh. Korean TV show. It is very dark uh, and quite violent and bloody. And it's about 
a group of people who are desperate and in debt and have no other options who agree to participate in very deadly televised children's games mm. uh, <laughs> in the hope of what, winning a huge amount of money. Mm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Respect. Respect. Yeah, it's, it, it's very cynical. It's about capitalism. Uh, but it's very well made. It's very entertaining, gripping television. Like you get very into the games and what people will do to each other when they are desperate and the personalities that you see on the screen. So it's a very good television, but it is not uplifting in any way. It is very grim. So don't watch it if you want a good time, but <laughs> definitely worth looking at and chewing over if you're in the mood for something kind of bloody but brightly colored. Okay, noted. Yeah. Um, I also read uh, the fifth book in Jen Lyons's yes. Dragon series, The Discord of Gods, because I have been pestering Jen for it, for her to give me a copy when she had one that was a readable draft, because I was just desperate to find out how the story ended, and I was not And how the OG3 ended? Well, I mean, that was predominantly what I was looking for, yes, yeah, sure. but yeah. it was also a very satisfying conclusion to a yeah. chunky five-book series. I don't even know when that one's coming out, but it was good fun. Hmm. Um, sometime. Sometime, yeah. I read a book that is actually very appropriate to this week's episode, so I'll probably talk a bit more about it later, but this is going to be a Macy wreck, because I think you would like this, Macy. Uh -huh. This is a fantasy book that just came out recently called The Library of the Dead, and mm -hmm. it is set in Edinburgh. And it is not modern Edinburgh, but it took me a couple of chapters to work this out. It is actually, to a certain extent, a post-apocalyptic kind of Edinburgh. And huh. so it's got a combination of modern technology and old technology because some of the modern stuff isn't as available anymore. Right. Mm. But it also has really interesting magical world building. And it's about a young Zimbabwean woman who dropped out of school to become a ghost talker. Huh. And to carry messages, like she basically gets paid to carry messages from the dead to the living. Uh, and she also gets mixed up in some you know, disappearing children and she discovers this magical library which is full of magical scholars and there are enormous swathes of this book that are just like her reading books and learning the theory of how magic works which some people would find <laughs> extremely boring but I ate that shit up with a large spoon uh, so if you like me like very systematic magic systems and long chapters of people just sitting in libraries reading about how they work. <laughs> Ravenclaw. <laughs> yes. So anyway, very enjoyable. And it's got a lot of stuff in it to do with ghosts. So I might talk about it a bit later. And I read a fanfic dun, dun, as dun. well. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so this is a magician's fanfic called huh. My Word Will My My Words Will Be Your Light by page 161 of 180. It is an AU in which Quentin and Elliot are both fantasy authors published by the same publishing house, God. of which Quentin writes sort of, you know, fairly standard, you know, there's a chosen one, sword and sorcery fantasy, uh, being quite influenced by the Fillory books, which still exist. And Elliot wrote an erotic memoir, panicked, and at the last minute added magic to make it look less like his real life, and somehow got it published by a heat imprint of a fantasy house, and they have to go on tour together. Amazing. It's 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 got a lot of like humor in it, as the setup would imply, but it's also really, really like chewy into mm -hmm. how your previous trauma influences how you relate to people, and I, there's like the author stuff is some of it's through life, some of the book tour stuff, I'm like, that's not really how book tours work. But 
really enjoyable from an author point of view, from a you know an AU point of view. So I I recommend that. Huh, very fun. Whereas Macy is two books behind Freya and has this past week been reading Jen Lyon's The Memory of Souls, mm. which is book three. I am seventy percent of the way through this book because it is extremely large. Yes. It is thick. <laughs> Jen writes a thick book. It, she does. Um, I am right now in the middle of yelling frantically at, Jel, at Jen on Twitter because she just cock-blocked my OT3 by throwing zombie fish at them. It's not fair. And I'm mad. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm wroth. Um, other than that, I started the Netflix horror show Midnight Mass, which is excessively Catholic. Um, and I'm having a good time so far watching people be very much people and suspecting that they're about to get eaten by something. Um, I have not been reading a ton of other stuff. I read a lot of fic. I read a lot of Naruto self-insert fic because I am myself. Mm. Um, the best of which is not technically Naruto self-insert, but it's sort of um, Naruto and the self-insert character is basically the main character of the Queen's Gambit. Mm. So they put a civilian chess player, or shoji player in this case, in the middle of the Naruto world and set her up with Itachi. Um, and that is called The Name of the Game by Assassin. I've also been reading a really great um, Azula-centric Avatar The Last Airbender fic called The Sun Don't Shine Underground by Ultranos. And that one is one in which Ozai, the evil fire lord, instead of setting Azula up as his heir, sets her up as a kind of psychopathic tool for her brother to wield. Uh, and then she ends up being the one who gets banished and having to deal with the Avatar, which goes explosively, shall we say. But she gets to have Toph, uh, which I think is always the best choice to make if you had to pick one of the avatar gang mm. to have on your side mm. you could do a lot worse than than suborning mm. toff sure um but yeah mostly i have been attempting frantically to plot a new book the squid necromancy name being the resurrection chalice which hopefully i will be nanowrimoing how, this year how so is like, your egg situation going my, I only have 12 eggs because I gave oh. 22 of them to my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Very good. So I, I, we, are, we are making progress in a forwardly direction. Um, <laughs> so the egg problem is now their egg problem. <laughs> yes. Well, they, they, they eat two eggs every day for breakfast and I feel okay. they are thus better suited than I am to disposing of eggs. ridiculous quantities of eggs. Yes, that makes yes. sense. But some of our listeners did send me pictures of their chickens. So, you know, egg recipes keep coming. I guess we can share. Um, the Patreon will feature egg recipes henceforth. Um, I started watching a new anime, which... Ooh. The story of how I got this anime is kind of a story of me being brutally called out. Uh, by a dear friend of mine, Elias, uh, who just started a cool YouTube channel called um, Bookshelf Barcart. Bookshelf Barcart, that's the one, which is very cool. He makes up cocktails based on books, and it's awesome. Uh, so he was like, Alex, I found this this anime that I think you would be really into. It's called How a Realist Hero Rebuilt the Kingdom. <laughs> and imagine the hands of the emperor, but an anime. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what yep, this is. That's yep, very Alex. So it's uh, about this young man who is a, a student in college, and he's studying to be a, a, a civil service employee. And uh, he has lots of big opinions on government and, like, building fair governments. And then this fantasy kingdom is in a terrible, terrible state. And they urgently need a hero to come save them. And so they uh, do this magical ancient ritual to summon a hero. Uh, and they summon this young man who looks around. They're like, oh, are you a warrior? Can you, like, defeat the demons or... And he's like, no, actually, I'm going to, like, rebuild your whole government. And it's great, actually. Uh, it's got the economics. Amazing. It's got the magic. It's got everything you love. Um, that, sound, that sounds like the kind of portal fantasy that I am of the right age to enjoy. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's just, like, going on adventures with talking animals bullshit. More like, well, give me a nice plumbing. room in a nice house and I'll start doing some project management. Yeah. He, gets, he gets this magical power. Uh, when he comes into this fantasy world, which he can use, he can like imbue his soul and consciousness into objects, and everyone around him is like, "Ooh, you could use this for like fighting people or war or whatever." And the first thing he uses it for is to like imbue his soul into some quills, so that he can get through like four <laughs> times as much paperwork <laughs> as <laughs> one person. Yeah, very funny. I love him already. Um, he I is, he is. Uh, I also read The Bride of the Blue Wind by Victoria Goddard. I am still on my Victoria Goddard bullshit. I'm I'm rationing the last couple of her books because I'm trying to like make them last through the end of the podcast. Um, uh -huh. The Bride of the Blue Wind is a retelling of uh, the Bluebeard uh, story, and it is about a young woman called Sardit of Ramapool uh, who gets stolen away by this like demigod possibly actual god and uh it is about uh sisters rescuing each other and young women mm. sort of finding their power and taking brutal bloody vengeance on the men who have wronged them macy i think i convinced you to buy this a while ago i, I really did. now that i've actually read it i really recommend it for you <laughs> specifically you would love it um okay. I have also been writing a little bit, as most notably, I have written an article for Tor.com, which by the time this episode comes out will probably be out. I have not gotten a date on when it will come out, but probably it will be out by now. Ooh. And if not, you won't ever hear this, dear listeners, because I will have edited this <laughs> section out. Um, but the article is a primer on the on Victoria Goddard's work uh, because there's a couple different entry points that you could that you could s start exploring her universe with mm. Um, mm. so go check that out if there is a link in the show notes <laughs> a lovely sort of like hypothetical yes, if then, probably there if will. then if you are hearing if me then. say this then there's going to be <laughs> yeah, a go. link in the show notes there we go uh, so uh, we should have an episode should we I yeah, well, so. maybe we should remind our darling listeners that we are still soliciting questions for the extravaganza. Please email them. You know how the drill works. Yes. And now, yes, yes, over to Alex for our first tentpole, which has a useful title. Our, our yes. first tentpole is the film Ghost, which was Ghost. released in 1990, <laughs> which is one of those films which I think that you hear a lot about, but I at least had never seen it before. Like everyone's mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, the love scene from Ghost with like. The, the man and the pottery, like, the girls doing the pottery, and, like, he comes along and there's, like, sexy pottery happening. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, and the thing is, I I thought, and like you, I had not actually seen this movie until I was like, we should do the movie called Ghost. Yeah. And I assumed that this happened when he was a ghost. So did right? I. Yeah, but that no, would have no. been more sensical. <laughs> yes. No, no, it's just part of like the opening act and just for no reason, very, very sexy pottery. Yeah. Yeah, lots of like s- the word smearing, I feel, is probably used a lot in the set direction. Did did either of you feel like it was an excessively long sex scene? It was it was Because I started I started skipping long. past it. I started like, You're like just, are we done? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I started like skipping ahead to like see when this was going to be over. So it, as it turns out, I'm just a little bit too demisexual to be interested. Not demisexual as in sexually attracted to Demi Moore, the lead actress in this film. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I feel like I have to so, clarify. So, 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 so Macy, were you just demisexual enough to enjoy the sex? Hey, no, really. too much I'm just like, this is so messy. Do you I know, know how much so laundry you're going to have to do? She has a very long neck. <laughs> I'm just like, why? Why? Anyway, yeah. anyway, I should finish telling this episode. The point sh- of this episode. Yeah, I should Tell finish about telling the plot you the plot. Of this movie. The plot of yes, this movie is, the is movie? that there is this man who is a banker, and, uh, and one day he sort of discovers like some weirdness in some of the bank accounts, and his best friend, who is the person responsible for the weirdness in the bank accounts, there's way too much money yeah. in them, is like visibly breaks out into sweat, and. Um, <laughs> Immediately, like, has him killed that night. Hires a hitman. Amazing. Uh, and Patrick Swayze, the banker, becomes a ghost. He dies in this this fake mugging. Uh, and through his adventures, discovers that his best friend was the first. First, he discovers that it wasn't an accident during a mugging. He was murdered on right. purpose. And then he discovers that his friend did it. And then he discovers a cool... Um, spiritual advisor slash medium who can speak to him, uh, who will help him solve this. And after that point, it starts becoming like this kind of buddy cop comedy where it's like yeah. him and Murder his mystery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the ghost and his uh, medium friend, and they're like solving and they're trying to like rescue the guy's ex girlfriend or. F- and then, I mean, yeah, to be fair, band. Demi Moore's character does play quite a large role in this movie, who yes. you haven't mentioned at all in your description. No, of I the haven't movie so far. <laughs> no, <laughs> she. What? What? I don't know that. I don't know that I agree that she actually plays that big of a role, other than as like the MacGuffin kind of. Like she's just sort well, of no, there. It's about, being... it's about their relationship. Yeah, like, the movie puts so much. It's true. Like the the plot of the movie is not really that much about. About her. her. But what but the, the movie is about arc. is, That's is true. their relationship. That's true. Yeah. And it's about kind of grief and coming to a resolution and reaching closure, which I think a lot of ghost stories are. Right? Mm. It's the thing where the ghost cannot give up, cannot leave until they've resolved whatever problem it was that killed them. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. And it's sort of grief for both of them. It's like her yes. her feeling her grieving his death and like not wanting to let his memory go yet and also him grieving his death and not wanting to right. let her go mm. yet um and yeah once his his business is finished then he is more able to pass on to the next yeah. world or whatever yeah mm. and i think from her point of view it's just this incredibly senseless thing that's happened to her mm. is that her boyfriend um is killed and then she finds out it's for somebody else's crime 
he just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time to notice it. And then this parasitic medium woman is lying to her about hearing her dead boyfriend to try to get money out of her? Question mark? Yeah. From her point of view. And then ghosts are real? And yeah, it's a lot to deal with. And this other dude is trying to kill her? Yeah, yeah I, th- I liked that she had such a resistance to false hope that she just did not want to be sucked into believing something that she thought was impossible because she was attempting to deal with her loss and didn't want it elongated and complicated by this. And then when she realized that it actually was right, the person that mm-hmm. she had lost, there was still this real mingled sense of, well, it doesn't mean I can have him actually oh, back. Yeah. Mm. It just means we can have a few more conversations. Yeah, And I was um, thinking, I think like all of us were, that there would be more to it than... So the medium woman can discovers later on that she can channel or be possessed by ghosts. Mm-hmm. And so they do manage to have like a goodbye while the ghost inhabits the body of this woman played by Whoopi Goldberg to say goodbye to Demi Moore. And they're just like hold hands. They I just, I, I really had this moment where it, like he has just had this really emotional moment where he's like trying to like tell his girlfriend, how much he he cares about her through and and Whoopi Goldberg has to be like relaying everything that he's saying because the girlfriend, because uh, Demi Moore can't Not hear him, him. Um, yeah. and so she invites him to like possess her so that he can say it to her directly. And I was like, mm-hmm. is this movie going to be brave enough to give us an interracial lesbian kiss? And I thought. For a split second, it might go there, <laughs> and then I remembered that this movie was made in 1990, 1990. and it was not going to go there. Yeah, but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't really mind that because I think the whole point was like they were really making a distinction between who it is that's actually having this conversation. Yeah, and like the person mm-hmm. actually doing this farewell and feeling the, the emotions is this dead man. Yeah, but I mm-hmm. liked the the way that this film messed with my expectations for genre. Because, yeah, going into it, I was like, this is a film about a ghost, and I appear it's very romantic, and that's all I knew about it. Mm-hmm. And I loved that the opening credits almost seemed like they were setting up, like, a haunted house mm. thriller. Like, there was all yes. this stuff to do with, like, yes. plastic sheeting, and they're ba- breaking down doors, because they're just doing renos in their house. Uh, but it really gave you this, like, slow pan, slightly eerie music set up for, like, this is a ghost story. But all of what they were showing was just people breaking down some stuff in their house. Like, you've got this beautiful, implausible loft apartment that does become haunted in yeah. a way, but in a, a way that's completely subverting what you would think of as a haunted house mm. genre. So I liked that. And I liked the world building around ghosts and how slowly it was mm-hmm. dropped in. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the one of my favorite scenes was when he ends up on a train. Yes. With another ghost who clearly haunts the train, like, right. in the in the underground. And was like, you have to get off, this is my territory. And that was like yes. the first really creepy ghost moment of like, the, here right. is an actually hostile spirit who wants you to get off their territory. And who can do you harm? Because up to that point, um, Patrick Swayze's interactions with the world as a ghost were basically insubstantial. He couldn't touch anything, but correspondingly, nothing could touch or harm him. And this is the first kind of sense that you get that, oh, ghosts can hurt people uh and they could hurt him right Mm -hmm. 
And this is also the um, first ghost he's encountered, the first other ghost he's encountered who is violent because he's mm-hmm. sort of met or seen a few other ghosts at this point and they seem like people. Like there's the old guy he talks to at the hospital and the woman he sees at the the graveyard mm-hmm. and they're just like, "Hey, chill." Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They're just around. So I started uh, after I started wondering about that that violent ghost though because there's that moment when he goes back to learn about how to touch things from that ghost mm -hmm. and it's like that ghost has a short-term memory problem where he's like forgot abruptly who patrick swayze was and kind of glitches he kind of glitches yeah and i was thinking like is that something that happens to ghosts over time like if they're there Mm -hmm. for a long time do they start losing themselves in that way and go weird Mm -hmm. Mm. Man, uh, see, yeah. I really want to dig into all these temples about how you make these world building decisions about how ghosts work yes. and what you're basing it on. Because this movie, and it, I didn't realize it for first, does actually have a very Christian yeah. sort of philosophy backing it up. This idea of uh, once, even once you move on as a ghost, you go to one of two places, and it's right. either a beautiful bright light in the sky. Or you or get like creepy pulled pulled downwards by creepy shadows in a very violent and scary manner. Yeah, uh, and they're talking about this idea of the other, you know, the other one. So like clearly, there's a heaven and hell dichotomy going on here. Right, right. I thought and I thought thing- at some point that there were going to be multiple different ones, not just like a binary, but like like several other options for doors. Maybe it is just that we got got to see two. Um, but I mean, there's. I think the the most implausible thing for me about this movie was the idea that a Wall Street banker would go to heaven. Mm, yeah, that's yeah. a mood. Yeah. But I mean, also... <laughs> he was a one good the... Wall Street banker, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> he would never do weird things with other people's money. Of course not. Uh, Macy? <laughs> yeah, I guess like 1990 is kind of a little bit before we got really into this like, oh, you destroy the economy for shits and giggles. Maybe that's not Well, I think at the same time, he's probably, like he was clearly one of those early career bankers. Who's mm. like, no, no, this is fine. I'm doing everything right. And if he had like stayed in the industry for 20 more Maybe. years, he either Possibly. would have become corrupt or he would have quit. I don't know because he had a corner office to himself. So he was not ranking. Mm, that's true. But the thing that got to me with this movie a little bit, um, and then we've probably spent enough time on it, yep. was that over the course of this movie, it's the story of a benign ghost who was done unfairly, who was done wrong to, who was murdered, who transforms into a malevolent poltergeist and then kills two people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then goes to heaven. Yeah, actually. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, um, I have some questions yeah, about it's, this. Like, it's a very Old Testament kind of movie. Well, but it's, it's also, it's also, and this is one of the things that was really striking to me, a very masculine power fantasy. Yes. Of a movie. Mm. He yes. regains his power by regaining the ability to cause violence to others. Mm. Mm. Yes. That's his journey. That's his Hercules power-up training montage, is the ability to cause violence because he needs to protect his woman. Right. Yes. And I was like, ah, uh, this is a thing that happened. And then he's still rewarded for it at the yes, end. He still goes to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. I actually uh, had that question as well as I was watching it. I was like, you just killed a guy. Is this going to affect where you go? No. No. I mean, you could make the argument that maybe the decision to heaven or hell is fixed at the point of death. Right. And that a ghost's actions aren't really coming to bear. But mm. let's anyway. talk about the mm. actions that a ghost can take after their death. Uh, so we, for our thick tent poll this week, if y'all don't mind, of course. Um, are doing The Boy Who Spoke With 
Ghosts by Avocado Love, and it is an Inception fic in which Arthur is Cole Sears um, and the little boy who spoke with ghosts in the sixth sense. Mm. Uh, and so this is a fic in that genre of fanfic AUs where one of the characters gains the ability to look at and speak with ghosts. Uh, in this case, because this is Inception, we are introduced to this through Arthur meeting the ghost of Mal, who has some feelings about how she died. Namely, that she wants to take her husband with her. And so this fic kind of delves into the ways that the movie of Inception itself deals in ghosts, which it does with Mal. Like, Inception is a ghost story. Mm. Um, it's just a ghost story from within the psychology of the haunted man, Dom. Right? Is it Dom? I forget his Dom, name. Yes. Yeah. The, 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 the chief white dude being sad. Yeah, that Dom. guy. <laughs> uh, and it can, this fic then contrasts that with what Mal might have thought about that, um, and, as well as adding in some other ghosts. Mm. So, mm. how's this, Freya, for a completely different world building of how ghosts... I think this one is quite straightforward in the way that the Sixth Sense world building is fairly mm -hmm. straightforward. Like, you are, you are a medium or you're not, you're born with this ability or you're not, um, and a ghost will appear to you more or less like a normal person, a living person, mm -hmm. uh, in terms of that they are you know, visible and they can talk to you and interact with you. And I agree, I really liked Inception as a choice for this particular AU and this particular crossover because it does have that sense of hauntedness mm -hmm. in it already. And there's so much you can do with the world building of dream sharing. This is mm -hmm. why Inception is such a popular fandom to write in, I think, because the movie gives you a big chunk of world building and then says, well, here you are, you can fill in the gaps for yourself. And so this gives the opportunity to say, okay, if somebody could actually see ghosts, how would that affect what appears in their dreams and what right. kind of projections they have. And I liked the way that they played with that, the idea that Arthur has ghost projections, mm -hmm. like actual ghosts, not just like projections in themselves are presented as kind of like ghosts of your past right. and ghosts of your psychology. Whereas he sees actual like horror ghosts in he and other people see that these horror ghosts mm. if he is the person dreaming which i like and i think it kind of deals with one of the standard um beats of a ghost talker which is i must keep this secret because everyone will think that i'm crazy if i don't mm -hmm. and we see this a bit in the movie as well with whoopi goldberg's uh, the previous movie ghost that is not in the inception movie yeah um where the medium character is treated with a lot of scepticism and concern from her family when she suddenly starts genuinely thinking she can see ghosts. Although not right. as as much as in as they might in other contexts, because apparently her yep. mother and grandmother also had that similar ability. Um, mm -hmm. But they're still like, hey, are you okay? Are you, are you <laughs> okay, actually? Whereas in the fic, that's the whole reason right. that Arthur doesn't let anybody into his mind He's very, very aware that people will dismiss him, will stop working with him, that he will lose the ability to live his life the way he wants to if he lets on. And so he hasn't taken protective measures like getting his mind militarized because he doesn't trust anybody to come in there with him. Mm. Mm. And the whole point of Inception as well is about secret keeping. Mm -hmm. And if you let somebody into their mind, they will see your secrets. And it's presented as theft, Mm. You know, because that's what mm -hmm. they do. They steal secrets. 
and it's a really it's walking a quite a good line between the idea of your secrets being stolen and that whole you know the unbearable vulnerability of being known (laughs) (laughs) which because there is a romance thread in it is presented as the you know nobody can truly i have to keep myself apart because nobody is allowed to know this one terrible secret that i have Uh, and and part of it is of course you know learning to be seen and to be vulnerable and to share your secret and be loved anyway and i thought that that was an interesting mirror where in this fic um eames has the ghost of a little girl who follows him around and who arthur can see and interact with and so by having this ability arthur is almost coercing a sort of vulnerability out of eames Mm. Mm. yes yes it's because, not his fault, but right, right. Because there's there's so much vulnerability in who she is and what mm-hmm. she means to Eames and the circumstances around how he lost her, and yeah, yeah he's and and so Arthur is absolutely losing learning those things without Eames's consent. And I think that's something that we see with a lot of ghost speaker AU's, which I'll talk about a little bit later mm. on in fic is that the character who can speak with Ghost gains this advantage of knowledge, mm. this secret source of knowledge on the other characters around them. And that is also very difficult to nag- navigate because you can give yourself away. Yeah. Mm. It's almost like um, having like telepathy or empath mm-hmm. powers that you haven't quite learned to control yet. Because ghost talking, I think, is almost always presented as not something that you can turn off. Right. Like, you, right. you know, you, you haven't really learned psychic shields in the way that you can with some of these other kind of superpowers that you're always going to see the ghosts and they're always going to be able to talk to you. Yeah. It made me think a little bit almost of Dead Like Me as well, um, now that you're saying that, where, like, the, the dead and the spirits kind of impose on you. You have to look after them and solve their little problems, otherwise they'll just keep bothering you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and the, the book I was talking about earlier, The Library of the Dead, which I forgot to say is by um, T.L. Huchu, Mm-hmm. Uh, has that with this this girl who's just walking around and the, the dead are everywhere and they know she's a ghost talker and they're like, oh, can you solve my problem? She's like, you have to pay me. Either you or the other person that I'm taking it to has to pay me. I do not work for free. Yes. And like a lot of the first act of her resisting being drawn into things is because there's this person coming up to her and be like, you have to help me find my son. Something terrible's happened to him. And she's like, can you pay me? No. Okay. Well, look, I got bills to pay. Sorry. Yep. Not my business. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Very practical. Yeah. Uh, But speaking of people helping ghosts with their problems and being bothered by them, (laughs) shall we talk about the next book? Yes, our third tentpole is the book Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. And I really enjoyed this book. I don't read a lot of YA, but I Mm. thought this was a really good one to talk about for a very ghosty Halloween-y kind of episode. Mm. Mm -hmm. So this is a book about a young man called Yadriel, who is... uh, young trans Latinx man who is trying to fit in with his family and prove to them that he can be a brujo. So in his family, the brujo and the bruja have different types of magic and they have different roles in the magic that they do and how they interact with the dead. And he is determined to prove uh, that he, he is a man and he can do the kind of magic that men in the family do. So he goes about doing a particular ritual to summon a ghost And instead of summoning the ghost of his dead cousin, who who he's trying to find, he ends up summoning the ghost of Julian, who is (laughs) one of the boys from school. (laughs) A very cute boy from school. Sort of from school, but like, you know, 
not the person he was expecting to have to interact with. But Julian is very annoyed about being dead and would like Adriel (laughs) to help him work out how he died. Uh, And so they have to go around sort of solving the mystery of what happened to Julian and what's happening to some other dead people. And a lot of things to do with Yadriel's family and the preparations for the Day of the Dead. And it's a very satisfying story. It's got some really good family stuff. I really liked the scenes where Yadriel has to go and interact with all of Julian's friends Mm. and family. And Julian's like, you can't tell them that I'm dead. I'm just going to stand here and tell you what to tell them. You're not allowed to tell them why you're asking and you can't let them know that I'm dead. Which puts Yadriel in quite a difficult position. Yep. Because uh, you're just having to like nose around in somebody else's life without saying why. And all of his friends and family are like, why, why, since when do you know yet? Who are you? Who are you? Why, what are you doing? I'm Julian's friend. Are you? I don't <laughs> think that you are. I've never seen you. So it's got a lot of, you know, having to solve a mystery and then clean up your mess. Yeah. Right. it. And there's the, the time limit on it too, because like... The Day of the Dead is coming up and... Well, the time limit is more to do with the fact that um, if you're a ghost for long enough, you sort of right. lose your coherency yeah. and you turn more into more of a sort of a demonic spirit. Well, right. it's kind of two, there's two or three different time limits. One of them is that. The other one is that Yads wants to prove himself by banishing Julian and thus completing all of the types of magic that a man would be able to do in time for the coming of age ceremony, which is happening on the Day mm. of the Dead. Right. And then there's also, like, ideally, he thinks that Julian is somehow tied up in the death of his cousin. And by solving Julian's problem, he can try to banish the cousin in time for him to come back on the Day of the Dead with all of the other Bruhets, um mm. ghosts. So yes. there's sort of three things they're trying to accomplish. Um, yes. I really enjoyed... So Julian is really young to have died, right? Mm-hmm. And doesn't remember how he died. He knows that he was with one of his friends and that somebody came at them. But that's pretty much all that he knows. And his driving motivation early on is... I'm scared whether my friends are all right. Yes. And so for me, that's that was a really effective motivation for a ghost, you know, is I am scared my loved ones are in danger more than just I need to solve my own death. Because to Julian, he kind of gets that it doesn't really matter, that it's not going to bring him back to know why he died. And that's something that I sometimes get annoyed with in ghost stories. It's like... Sometimes it almost feels like I'm going to solve my death. Hmm. It's like, okay, what's gonna? Not... What's that gonna do? <laughs> what's that gonna yeah. do? Yeah, and right. I want to make sure this doesn't happen to anybody else. Is actually like mm-hmm. the it's the murder mystery plot driver. Mm. If right. there's somebody out there causing harm, we have to stop them before they strike again, which becomes <laughs> sort of one of the drivers of the story. But for, for you're right, for Julian, it, it is the driver from the beginning. Mm-hmm. But not even like. I need to stop this killer more. I need to see my friends and warn my friends. Yeah. So it's a little bit of the, the Slytherin primary, right? It's the me and my people, which is mm. entirely relatable because he hasn't had it easy. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I really liked about this book, which contrasts with the other two tentpoles, is that uh, Yadriel is not the only one who can see the ghosts mm-hmm. because his whole family right. is involved in uh, the Bruhex business 
And so mm-hmm. there's some uh, there's, there's a couple very funny scenes where he's having to like sneak Julian in and That's out of his very- bedroom. Yes, <laughs> it's like because everyone to- can see him. Yeah, it's, right. it's not like oh, I'm the only person who can see this ghost. It's literally having to sneak a boy into my bedroom and sneak Even- a boy yeah, out of the bedroom again. <laughs> Uh, even like, though just he's jump a ghost. out the window, you're just a ghost. Jump out the window. <laughs> yes, honestly. honestly. Yes, but, I mean, I mean, this obviously is also a love story, and so it's yeah. got that added element of a love story between the ghost talker and the ghost. Very cute. Which is obviously a, a genre of romance that does show up. Um, and we're going we're gonna to spoil the ending yes. of this book. Please skip the next five minutes if you haven't read Cemetery <laughs> Boys and you want to. Yes. So the, the point of this is that Julian is not actually dead. Uh, he is right. being used and drained of life force, but he is not all the way dead yet. He's just dead enough that he can start haunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of how we reach a happy ever after or a happy for now for a romance is that you do have to get a way to make the ghost undead again, or mm-hmm. rather alive again. What? I mean, I was kind of annoyed but I, I saw it coming from, from fairly early on, pretty much exactly what had to happen to make this book resolve in a way that would be acceptable to readers of this genre. Yep. Mm. Um, I, I do, I would love to see a love story that actually dealt in the death as well, because that is a real like emotional journey that you might have to go on if you fall for a ghost. Right, or for a human, go. honestly. Or for a human. <laughs> or for a human. Yes. Yeah, because I thought that like part part of the way through the book, I started wondering that too. Like, are they going to resolve this by bringing him back, or is this book going to make a point about how, when you are a young teenager, you can like give your whole heart away to someone, mm-hmm. and that's real and it's valid. Right. But right. so many of the so much of the time, those relationships that we have are temporary, and right. that's okay. Sometimes we do have to let people go, and that doesn't make it less meaningful. Right. Um, so yeah, I was I wasn't sure towards the middle of the book which way they yeah, were. Well, I think go. I think it could have I think it could have gone either way. Yeah, uh, and it just depends on what kind of ending you want. And it made right. me think a lot of um, uh, a Les Miserables fanfic <laughs> called "The Ghost of You" by Lucia, mm-hmm. which is about Grantaire moving into an apartment with a very angry poltergeist <laughs> who is Andoras, but realizing fairly quickly that Andoras is not entirely dead yet and he has to work out like he's in a coma in a hospital and he has to work out uh, where he is and and a lot of this a lot of the figures actually should do with what happens uh when Andros wakes up and they have to reconcile the fact that the person he is is there's still part of him that's the ghost and he's not quite the same person right, right. but it, again it, it presents you with this like you're being haunted you fall in love with the ghost that is haunting you somehow that ghost has to either become alive again or you know it's a different type of story well, and that made me think a little bit of the canon arc for the Yi City OT3 in The Untamed, right? Which at the end, you have a zombie and a small bag of soul fragments hmm. wandering off into the sunset together. Yes. And I'm like, well, that sure is an ending that can happen. I mean, uh, that was that, that particular arc was never going to have a no. particularly cheery Hearts and Roses type of but, ending. I did want to mention there was one fic that uses these three in a ghost story, which is why I think they're good for it, because in canon there's so much of that, which mm. is, uh, what was the name? All That's Left of Two Hearts on Fire by Llewellyn, if people want to check out ghosts. But 
I think we should probably keep moving because we have very little of the episode left. Yep. This is what happens when we spend like 15 minutes being gremlins. That's, that's true. <laughs> so I, I had a, a dot point, which is a question, which was a vague attempt at a stab in the direction of a taxonomy. Dun, dun, dun. And my question was, what are ghosts for in a narrative? So why, why do we have ghosts? What do they do to a story? Well, we see them a lot as a sort of mystery to be solved, mm-hmm. right? Mm. Um, and that can split down into either solve my death for me so that I can have peace or banish the ghost so it will stop causing harm. Mm. It um, depends and on I think... what the role of the ghost is. Is it the being mm-hmm. bad or is it the... Um... Sympathetic wooby. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And it's because like the presence of a ghost implies the presence of death. Right. Like that's just the way it is. And so you can use it as the kickoff of a murder mystery very easily. And usually traumatic death. Like we don't tend yeah. to see peaceful deaths as things which cause hauntings in quite the same way. Or or people who have unfinished business. Right, right. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so there's some element of mystery around the person's life or their death or both. Yep. Yeah. Mm. And it also means that they're kind of built in with a motive in some way because if they have unfinished business there's a reason they're still here there's something driving them to hold on to the world which is so it's great a really for a character yeah mm. yeah yeah uh another one is the barrier in a romance yeah <laughs> one of us is dead one of us is dead it's, 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 i mean i guess it's a barrier but there's some joke here about like permeability of ghosts um, well i mean it's i suppose it's in a way like any other kind of romance with an immortal yeah like hmm. one of them is going to be unchanging and ongoing <laughs> and, and the other person will will live and age <laughs> and also like let's point out here the barrier in a romance this is implying this is like your asexual corner right this is alex rants about um amato normativity in fiction corner right because oh no this ghost and i can't be in a relationship because they're a ghost and we can't touch okay I mean, you can still have a romance with someone that you never touch, right? Like, sex and and physical contact is not actually required. There's people who have long-distance relationships in the real world. Ugh. Yes, Macy. Sure, but, like, being a ghost is a barrier to existing and participating in the world as well, which does mm. cause challenges to a relationship. Depends like, on the kind of ghost. Are you going to fade? Are you going to yeah. fight? It doesn't have to be. Like, if everybody can see the ghost, or if, like, a few other people can see the ghost. If the ghost is allowed to have hobbies. If the ghost can leave the house <laughs> rather can, can than being Can you and the bound... ghost join a couple's D&D group together? Sure. <laughs> sure, we just need a friendly medium. Um, mm. What else can it be? It can be a metaphor uh, for somebody's past or something. I mean, I think, guilt. yeah, almost yeah. any kind of ghosty horror, the ghost is a metaphor for something. Or a yeah. Christmas carol, which I would argue is not really ghosty horror. Maybe it is. <laughs> I mean, it's they're literally like, called the Ghost of Christmas Past. Right. But it is, it is more present. somewhat like a, a weird spirit god thingamy. Like, yeah. And in a way, and, and it is a ghost. It is a shade of your subconscious. Yeah. Like mm. Scrooge is being haunted by himself. That's what's happening. Yes. Mm. Right. Yeah. And then I, I wanted to mention Crimson Peak, uh, mm. in which mm-hmm. the ghosts are initially part of the atmosphere that is scaring the main character but they actually become allies of the main character Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so helpful ghosts that are scary but also not as terrible as the monstrous 
humans who are actually mm. the real yes. monsters in that particular gothic. Well, that brings us to, a, that's a great transition to the next point, which is, are ghosts scary anymore? Because this is a Halloween episode, too. We should probably talk about spoopy ghosts. <laughs> spoopy. <laughs> Spooky noises intensify. Yes. Um, so I, I put this here a little bit because I noticed when we were going through our tent poles that there's like some scary bits, mm. but most of them almost empathize too much with the ghosts. Yeah. For it to be the sort of Goosebumps style, ghosts are scary and out to get you and they're unknowable. You know what I mean? Right. Like all of our ghosts were people and can, like when we center them as a character, do they lose the ability to horrify? I think so to some degree, or at least the the kind of horrifying that they're doing changes mm. because they mm -hmm. are instead of doing horrifying things because supernatural um right. they're doing horrifying things that any other human could do for example in the movie ghost uh patrick swayze murders a couple guys <laughs> and that's the moment when he starts becoming horrifying right because mm -hmm. that's and and because you can see him as a person who you know getting this like really dark violent tendency right, um right. and that is kind of horrifying in and of itself mm, but i think we have you're right chosen one chosen temples that are very much about ghosts as people mm, right. just different you know people who are dead and can't be interacted with to the same extent but their personalities and their ability to appear as human is the same whereas the really really spooky kind of haunting ghosts i think the less you can see of a ghost yes the more was, horrifying it becomes. I was going to bring this back, actually, to a conversation we had in the Mermaids episode. Because mm. um, you're just making me remember that, Freya. Um, horror is a thing we don't understand. Yes. Mm. And yes, that was a thing that we were talking about. Do you remember in the Mermaids about how much scarier the Mermaids were before we saw them? Yes. For yes. Into the Drowning Deep mm. by Mira Grant. Yes. The scariest um, part of a horror movie is when you can't see the monster. Yes. And what I'm wondering is all of these ghosts, I'm thinking back to the movie Ghost from the point of view of Demi Moore, mm. right? When stuff starts moving around and she can't explain it and the lights start flickering, that's a horror movie. And I think that these ghosts, it's... Um, like, you know, the, the writing teacher aphorism, you can solve everything with point of view. Yes. I wonder if to Julian's friends and brother, who don't understand why these things are happening, why this person knows things he shouldn't, and why things are moving, is it horror? Are the yeah. same stories horror if you were telling yeah. them from somebody who couldn't mm. understand what was happening? There's yeah, a couple I wouldn't, moments, I wouldn't yeah. describe any of our temples as horror. Right, they're not. No, they're, they're, they're spooky. But it's true, like, it's very much that's how a, a horror movie works, is that you show as little as possible until the moment when you have to show something. Yeah. And so many more of the types of media where the ghost is the bad thing or the, the scary thing that the main characters are having to escape or deal with somehow, right. that's when you find the ghosts that are just their impact on the world. Like the mm. poltergeist is just yes. the lights flickering and the glass falling from the shelf. It's not actually something that you can see because as soon as you can see it, it becomes tangible and dealable with. Yes. Although in the tent pole, I'm thinking of it from Eames' point of view and from the attacking people's point of view, when they start being able to see ghosts in Arthur's dreams, they think that they're zombies because there is a body horror aspect to the ghosts. Mm. 
right? Um, and I think that plays into it a little bit as well, is if you have to have them be knowable, they mm. need to appear horrifying, not just like people. That's true. But I'm also thinking of in, in Ghostbusters, right? Like mm -hmm. the appearance of the ghosts is also still horrific. They don't look like people anymore or not mm -hmm. entirely like people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. But I think what, what makes ghosts scary at the, the root of it is the fact that you can't attack something that can't be attacked. Heck. Like if something can only yeah, what act can you on you. Yeah, if it can act on you and it can act on your surroundings, but there's nothing that you can stab. You right. know, and that's why, you know, all of the episodes of Supernatural where the monster of the week is a ghost, it's more about finding out, you know, okay, who is it so that we can go and find the bones and then mm -hmm. salt them and burn them because the only mm -hmm. way you can act on a ghost is indirectly. Yeah. You can't fight yeah. back in the moment. Yeah. Having it. agency taken away from you is truly the most terrifying thing that could happen. I see this dot point. I think that was Alex, was it? It was. It's a good point. Another thing that makes ghosts scary is just because, like, death itself is very scary mm -hmm. to us, like, as a culture, uh, especially in the modern world, because we have been so removed from every part of the death and dying process. Like, we try, like, it's, it's, I think, from an evolutionary perspective, kind of repulsive to us, and, and we want to draw away from it. And so we have invented all of these systems to let us draw away from it so that to the point where we don't have to personally deal with it anymore. Right. Um, if you want to know more about this, darling listeners, I would very much recommend the YouTube channel Ask a Mortician, uh, which I recommended several weeks ago mm -hmm. on a previous episode. Um, it is very funny. It's very um, informative. Uh, she does a lot of incredible research and uh, talks about a lot of different topics and and uh, things and really kind of makes the idea of death not less scary, but less intimidating. Demystifying. Demystifying. Yeah. yeah. Because this is something that we're all going to have to deal with, right? Like, do you ever sit there and think about like, how one day you're going to have to live through your own death? I mean, I, I, not really in that sense, yeah, right? I, I mean, it's yeah, it's figurative. Uh -huh. Live live through in the sense of experience. you're going to have to experience that. Yes. Mm, that makes... I think, and the idea of a ghost as existence past death, I think, is a weird combination of fear and hope. Right. Like, we do kind of want to believe in some sense, and depending on how religious the philosophy is that's informing your ghosts, that there is uh, an ability for the part of us that is us to mm. continue it's on past death. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, we don't know if that's a good thing. So you have this weird mixture, and I think the movie Ghost did that quite well of, right. you know, yes, it's all right, we continue on, but something about that is just very unsettling to us. And so there is right. that tension between the hope of existence past death and the fear of existence past death. I think, yeah, it's this, um, the idea that your life and existence is finite is mm. scary and ghosts kind of counteract that in a weird way. But I have a really deep fascination with this as a trope in fic. Um, because I do see it pop up across different fandoms um, where a lot of them will do an AU where one of the main characters almost gets a character power up, right? Mm -hmm. Of being able to talk to ghosts. And then they either get a ghost mentor who teaches them to be the best ninja who ever sword fighted a dragon. Um, or they get secret spy knowledge that all of the dead little boys and girls tell them everything that's happening in the castle. 
Uh, and a quick list of fix that I've enjoyed that do this include um, a tempest, a cyclone, a goddamned hurricane, which is a Sansa Stark Ghost mm. Whisperer AU by DLX. Interesting. There is also a ginormous uh, Boku no Hero Academia one called Yesterday Upon the Stair. Um, there is also a Black Sails fic that I haven't read yet, but will soon, called The Aftershocks Remain, which apparently features John Silver as a ghost whisperer who can see Miranda, which mm. promises to be strange. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I suppose if you're using it in fanfic, it's almost like a halfway step towards fixing a character death as well. Mm. If you would mm-hmm. like an excuse to have this character still appear and be able to interact to a certain extent with the narrative and with a particular character, yep. then you can give a different character the ability to see ghosts and talk to them. Mm. I just really like the things that fic authors do with this as a trope. Um, it's yeah. not nearly as common as like um, Omega Alpha but like or one of the other ones, but it's around. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So before we end, would you like to take a quiz with me very oh, quickly? God. <laughs> I have prepared... We have been threatened, dear listeners. We are being held hostage. I have prepared a small <laughs> quiz for my fellow ghost snacks. Because oh, um, I feel like it has been a little while since we did fun things on this podcast. At ah. least an hour. At least an hour. At since... least an hour. Amazing. Uh, we are no fun. I thought, I thought we could all get to know each other a little bit better oh, by God. answering some fun questions. Have you ever seen a ghost? And no, by the way, no. you can, it's totally fine to make up answers if you want to fuck with me, or you can tell me the real answer. Either way. No, I feel like I encounter more fae than ghosts. Sure, sure. My life is very devoid of supernatural events. Unfortunately. I'm not complaining about this at all. How about <laughs> you, Alex? <laughs> what is the hottest ghost you've ever seen? Gosh. I feel like Alex is asking us this question because Alex would like to answer this question. The laws of thermodynamics. <laughs> Alexandra include the one about ghosts are fucking cold. I don't know. It's I on think... the box. It's written on the tin. For one thing, you know what hot means in this context, Macy. Don't pretend like you don't. And also I feel like there's lots of ghosts that have control over temperature. So it could also be a more literal thing. Oh, All right. No, seeing I as no one wants to talk about their ghost. hot ghosts encounters, <laughs> would you fuck a ghost? This seems very risky is the problem. Like, I feel like a ghost Slime. is not going to be hot enough to <laughs> yeah, overcome the risk. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I feel like I need to know a lot more about the world building of this particular yeah, ghost. Yeah, like, like what are the physical mechanics of this ghost? Well, what do you think it's like to fuck a ghost is the next question on the quiz as it happens. <laughs> I mean, like oh. this really depends on how much this ghost can interact with the world or is this ghost just possessing my vibrator? Yeah. Oh, you know? sure. Sure. It's like, are they just wielding tools? Because, like, eh, okay, maybe. Yeah, like, I mean, if we're both consenting, or are there like that, proboscises sure. involved? Proboscises. <laughs> proboscises. We ask That was about to be my question. <laughs> Ghostbusters ghost prayer with the ectoplasm. Okay, would I fuck spewing. a Ghostbusters ghost? No. no. No, I would not. No. Would you fuck a Patrick Swayze ghost? No, because Macy's a lesbian. Different issue. Yeah. Different issue there. Different problem. Different problem. Different problem. Yeah. Do ghosts also, I respect have... Demi Moore too much. She's got a yeah, very long neck. Yeah, and also if we're talking neck. about, like, fucking yeah. somebody who is possessed by a ghost, even if all parties are consenting, still a bit too weird for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like we covered this in the in the body swap episode. I feel like possession by a ghost is in that category. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Multi-party yes. consent. Yes. Multi-party yes. consent. Absolutely. Do ghosts have any particular kinks? And is it hashtag problematic to suggest that all ghosts might have the same kink? I don't know about problematic, but lore of averages would suggest that yeah, probably probably- there's a bit of variety. But I feel like most ghosts would probably have like a touch sensitivity thing mm. because they probably haven't had much touch for a mm. really long time. I mm. feel like that would be fairly, fairly common. That makes yeah, sense to true. me. That tracks. If you've been devoid of a sense for a long time, then yeah. anything that would allow that sense to be returned. Oh, yeah. Like, like voyeur- You probably would develop voyeurism as a kink yeah, just out of to. like you'd have to. Like, self defense. Right. Yeah. Right. And okay, so finally, finally, last question on this very fascinating quiz that I feel has done so much for society and the world in general. How do you get a ghost one night stand to leave your house afterward in a polite and chill way? I mean, if you cut off the, the end of that, the answer is bell book and candle. Mm. Mm. But well, we're I, trying I don't to be feel like, like there is civil. a polite way where you can actually know whether it succeeded or whether sure. the ghost is just like not going to tell you that they're still lingering. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of geographic locality with ghosts. So, That's like, true. Is that, did I have a one night stand with the ghost in my house because it is haunting my house? Mm, mm. Right, you don't right. want to do that. That's like fucking one of your roommates, which is always a bad idea. Yeah, I feel like that, that yeah. could just end quite badly. Unless there is an agreement that it's just like a final fling before you exorcise the ghost with the ghost's or permission. leave the house like sell the house to somebody else you know it's either You'd that have like, to. if you want to stay there that's, that's, and that's allow a, that's the like ghost a bad, to live that's a very bad one you night just gotta marry them you just that gotta point, marry them right I mean at that point like the ghost isn't it's the ghost's house it's not your house so you're the one who has to leave ghosts as terrible exes you either marry them or right. you burn down your life and move house <laughs> everybody thanks for joining us for this episode of be the serpent a podcast of extremely extremely deep literary merit thanks for uh not ghosting us halfway through <laughs> little jokes of mine uh hey you know what's terrifying besides ghosts this is the last time that i'm going to be recording the intro and outro I'm done. We're going to be recording the episode 100 extravaganza in the middle of November, and then we're going on indefinite hiatus after it's posted. If you haven't sent us questions or comments or games or weird gremlin shit for us to do in that episode, please do email us some. Uh, I want that episode to be fun times and just really fucking weird and like two hours long. Uh, As a bit of self-promo real quick, uh, Monday featured the cover reveal for my upcoming book, A Taste of Golden Iron. It is so gorgeous. Oh my god, I am still not over it. And it's absolutely perfect for the book. I'm I'm just wildly in love with it. I'm incoherent every time I think about it. Uh, Please go feast your eyeballs on it. Pre-orders for A Taste of Golden Iron are open now as well, so if you like fealty and feelings and exquisitely beautiful princes and the hot grouchy bodyguards who are secretly in love with them, you're going to want to pre-order this. Also, not to be a downer, but especially in these pandemic circumstances, pre-orders are going to be crucial for, like, all the books, um, those supply chain issues are going wild right now. So if you know that you're going to be wanting a book when it comes out, pre-order it as early as possible so you can get in line. 
Anyway, we have some even more exciting topics to talk about in upcoming episodes, in particular some promo of Freya's new book as well. On our next episode, two weeks hence on November 17th, we'll be discussing Detective Boyfriends, which is particularly exciting because one of the tentpoles for that episode is, at long last indeed, Freya's book A Marvelous Light, which came out yesterday, as per the day this podcast episode comes out. My future... Your past, you know how this goes at this point, dear listeners. Uh, If you want to prepare in advance for that episode, which you definitely do, go get your hands on a copy of A Marvelous Light because it is brilliant. And if you have a friend who's into stuff like detective boyfriends, then tell them about the next episode and about the book as well. In the meantime, feel free to continue the conversation with us. Questions, comments, breathless adulations. Contact us at serpentcast at gmail.com. And we're at SerpentCast on Twitter and Tumblr. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And by the way, if you were a ghost, I bet you'd be a really hot ghost. Don't listen to Macy. Macy doesn't know anything about ghost thermodynamics. If you want to control temperatures as an afterlife career, you should. Follow your bliss. I believe in you, buddy.